Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome to NBA Today with Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. Damian Lillard shutting the door on the desk. Lillard with his 33rd game of 30 or better. We've pretty much fallen out of the race for the 10th spot unless we go out there and win every game. The Blazers for the 33-49. The season full of ups and downs and not really uh, any moments of consistency. Out of those teams, which one would you be like, eh, that's not too bad? <laughs> Miami, obviously. <laughs> Dame Willard, as you know, at the end of the season made it clear he did not want to play with another young player. The Portland Trailblazers select Scoot Henderson. And now Willard has asked for a trade. He prefers a trade to the Miami Heat. I've been in the league long enough to know that you know things don't always work out the way you want to see it work out. With that as the backdrop, welcome to NBA Today. How lucky are we that George Sedano, Cheney Agumake back in lucky studio with us. Malika Andrews here with you. Brian Windhorst, he's going to be stopping by shortly. I cannot believe that it is already August 1st. Crazy. Where has this year gone? Where has time gone? What does that mean for us here in the NBA? Well, it means it's been exactly one month since Damian Lillard initially requested a trade out of Portland where the seven-time All-Star has spent the entirety of his 11-year career so far. Now, ESPN has reported that Lillard has really zeroed in here on one team, and that is the Miami Heat. That led to the league sending out a memo, remember, stating that any player, not no names but wink wink Damian Lillard, who indicates he won't, quote, fully perform services called for under his player contract in the event of a trade will be subject to discipline. So, George, you cover the Miami Heat as closely as any team in the entire league, as any reporter in the league, as we say hello to our Brian Windhorst. But we've talked a whole lot about what Portland's stance is on all of this. What is Miami's current stance on the Lillard trade? Malik, I think they just want clarity at this point. Sure. What is it that Portland wants so they can then accommodate date which is okay what do we have that you want on the roster and if we don't have it give us a nod so we can go out there and potentially go get it for you and consummate this particular deal so I think clarity is number one and I think a subplot to this is about Tyler Hero and I think the Heat in general and this isn't necessarily directed at Portland but they are disappointed let's say in the way Tyler Hero is being portrayed during these trade conversations and all the chatter in the media about Tyler Hero like he's just some dude he's not the guy who won the sixth man of the year two seasons ago now and is a 20 point per game scorer at 20 you know three years old or whatever he is so I think that is also a bit of a subplot here but more importantly they just want clarity because they want to get the deal done right everyone wants to go on vacation (laughs) right they're already on vacation. I'm going to be honest with you. The, the league is on vacation right now. Um, a couple of Tyler Hero. Number one, the Heat got better last season in the playoffs when Hero got hurt. Now, 
That is a statement that has many different facets to it. It's not as simple as that, but Tyler Hero was not part of that run that the Heat made all the way to the finals. It was so amazing, and they performed at a high level. Secondly, Tyler Hero of last year and Tyler Hero was this year is different because he's now on a contract that pays him $120 million over the next four years. And while I will tell you, I think that contract is fair market value for him, yeah. and especially will look good in a couple of years, that's one thing that you got to think about coming forward here. But the real thing about the Heat, guys, is that as I look across the league and have conversations with executives and agents, I can't identify another team that is seriously making an offer for mm. Dame Lillard at this point. And so my belief is that the Heat can't either. And so while people can look at what the Heat's offer might be and scoff at it, if their offer is the only one on the table, it therefore is the best one on the table. Right. And the fact that Portland isn't going forward with anything is a verification of that, that they don't have another offer. So very low incentive for the Heat to improve their offer at this point, and no incentive really right now for Portland to take that offer. And we have a stare down. And look, Malika, the proof of concept on this happened only one year ago. Kevin Durant asked for a trade. Mm -hmm. He was on a long-term contract. Theoretically couldn't control where he could go. The Nets got no offers they liked. They said, he's on the table, we're going to move on. In February, they got a tremendous offer from something we could never have seen yeah. from the Phoenix Suns. So sometimes, waiting it out can pay off, and we just saw it you know, less than a year ago. Absolutely. It makes me think back to what Woj said on the show yesterday, which is why would the Miami Heat bet against themselves right now? Or rather, why would they put another offer up the ante on themselves if they are the only ones bidding? But you said, you know, maybe it is. Maybe you wait. Maybe you see what happens. Maybe that's what's best for Portland. Maybe that's what's best for Miami. But, Shanae, what I think about oftentimes in these situations is, Okay, but what about Damian Lillard, who has built a new home in Portland? What about Tyler Hero, who has a, a, a new baby, has a young family that he needs to make arrangements for? How can a name being kind of dangled out as a trade piece, what kind of human impact does that have on a player? It has real impact. I think it's two ways, right? And that's like on par for how I think about everything in life. Yes, ma'am. But the good is that that shows that you have value, value that other teams really like. And I'm speaking more specifically to Tyler Hero because, hey, this is a guy that can get you 20 points, especially with the pace that the NBA is going faster, the way he shoots the ball, the way that that is valued. Other teams are like, oh my gosh, like that is a real opportunity for us to get better in a very low expectation way. Like throw them out there, knock down shots, space the floor. That's good. You're very valuable. And if I'm Tyler, I'm like, wow, I'm wanted. But at the same time, it's very rare that you find players going to places that really match their identities. I mean, we talk about Tyler, how he walks into games and, you know, that energy of South Beach. And he goes, there, goes out there and plays with that same swag on the court. And so you feel like you want to be in an environment where you can be yourself and that challenges you to be your better player right and I feel like that's holistically been Miami for him but nonetheless that guy's a bucket I mean can't forget this guy wherever he shows up he's going to help improve a team and I think you think about it both ways while you want to have a home you also more importantly want to have that generational stability and being in a place that values you at that time is most important right because I'm trying to imagine him walking in in, in Utah right yeah in bucket like, hat you know, in the, bucket, in the you know, bear chest doing that doing <laughs> he'll, that still, whole do that. Thing. he'll and, still do that and that's what makes Tyler Hero Tyler Hero <laughs> but at the end of the day this is a business and this is where it stands for the business that the Miami Heat have been conducting this offseason, right? They drafted Jaime Hawkins Jr. with the 18th pick. They signed Josh Richardson, and they also signed Thomas Bryant. They also brought back Kevin Love. However, Udonis Haslam, I feel like we need to give him a round of applause. Retired Shout out to the OG. After 20 seasons. What a run. And they lost two starters here, right? Gabe Vincent, Max Struess. So, 
I guess, is it Dame or bust here for Miami? They've been waiting and waiting to make any moves as the entire league has sort of gone on about their business. Well, I think it's kind of, it goes both ways for both sides, right? Whether it's Dame or the Heat. Yes, the Heat want to win a championship because they've been on the precipice of it uh, a couple of times here over the last four seasons. But for Dame, you're also 33 years old. And there's not a lot of teams where he fits as seamlessly as he would with the Miami Heat. So I think on both sides, I'm sure they would love some urgency here to get this particular deal done. And I just think that with Miami, him and Jimmy particularly are on the exact same timeline. And Jimmy has taken this team uh, to the brink of winning a championship, and I think now they just need that one player to get them over the top. And Dame kind of sees that or sees him as that particular player that can help them accomplish that. But then it's all about how the puzzle pieces fit together because despite the Heat only being three games over 500 heading into April, Miami was able to catch fire right down the stretch, make it to last year's NBA Finals. I do want to show you this, Brian. In a recent interview with ESPN, Bam Adebayo, he reflected on finishing as the runner-up. He said, I feel like we just came up short because we had among the most injuries in the season and through the ups and through the downs throughout the entire season, I feel like fatigue had a toll. So Bam here is kind of lamenting the team maybe running out of steam down the stretch. Do you think, Brian, that adding Dame, does it potentially compound any depth issues heading into next year, or does it relieve some of them? Well, if you get a guy like Dame Lillard and put him next to Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, the two defensive uh, you know, minds that they are and the offensive mind that Dame is, that's a championship-level team. And one of the things that they struggled against with, um, you know, in that series against the Nuggets is they had to play at a slow pace because if they played at a fast pace, they couldn't compete with the Nuggets. And, they, and the games, if you remember, were being played below 100 points a game. You have Dame Lillard as a weapon. You can then you go on par with anybody offensively in addition to playing your defense. So I think absolutely they are a serious contender if they get Lillard. But, in, but if they have to wait... Even if they have to wait into the season, I will just say they have an extremely valuable asset on their side, and that is Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra, for a decade plus now, has proven over and over that he can get the best out of a team with any kind of pieces and parts. And I think they've had a good offseason because even though they lost two starters waiting on this Lillard move, Josh Richardson is a former Heat player. I think he will slide in there and play Heat basketball from the start. I don't think he's going to be an all-star, but I think that's an adequate uh, replacement player. And I also think that Jaime Jaquez, even though he was taken outside the lottery, a four-year player at UCLA, will come in and be an impact player right away. He's Mm. going to get minutes and contribute right away. We saw that in Summer League. So I think the Heat have brought in some reinforcements, and Eric Spolst will get under the hood and hold them above water, even if they have to wait into November, December, before they might be able to make this alert move. And to add to that, Malik, which is a great point by Brian with Spo just being kind of the mad scientist there. (laughs) I also think that we always talk about their culture, right? They are able to develop guys at a rate that we don't see very often in the NBA. So with Max Drews gone and Gabe Vincent gone, those guys were good players for them, but they can find those guys. They've shown that they can continually find those guys. They love the kid Nikola Jovic, who they drafted the previous season. He's gained 25 pounds. He's an incredible ball handler, passer, shooter, They're bulking him up so he can take the toll of a regular season. Again, he's only 19, 20 years old. And then they have the guys like Orlando Robinson, who was first team all summer league, dominated in his second attempt at summer league, which is what you want from a player at that age. And they love a kid like Jamal Cain as a developmental guy. So those guys could be the next Struces and Vincents. You owe us five bucks. We almost got through an entire block and not said heat culture. Oh, yeah. We're so close. That is true. (laughs) I mean, you don't want to show your cards too early, right? You don't want to look desperate. 
But getting Dame Lillard is like chef's kiss. Really, because this Miami Heat team last year, although they overachieved in the postseason, they were last in points per game. You insert Dame, who last year, I think in uh, you know half of the season, was around 32 points per game. Then you get Jimmy Butler, who goes from 23 to 27 in the postseason. Then you have Bam Adebayo, who can really anchor that defense and yep. versatile. He's talking about being tired. That's because he's playing all positions. <laughs> and that's not easy. Point Bam. Exactly. And so you look at the big picture here. I see why they are eager to get it done. Yeah. And I think basketball fans also are looking forward to this, which is why it sort of is a conundrum. Like, why don't we have the information yet? Right. We want to see Damian Lillard playing back in meaningful games. And we talk about the Eastern Conference. We talked about this yesterday. It feels like, yes, the Celtics are still up there. Yes, the Bucks are still up there. And then it's like, okay, is this Miami's time to get over the hump? Because we've also heard Bam Adebayo told me during the finals, it sucks to be the team that I see the confetti getting rolled out. It's not your colors. It's not for you. They want to avenge that feeling. And certainly Damian Lillard would help them do that. But for now... We continue to be patient and wait. <laughs> George Sedano, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with Thanks us for having here me, on NBA Today. Still to come on our show, we got some guests joining us. Celtics point guard Derek White, he is stopping by today. Did you know that he has done something that only Michael Jordan has ever done? I mean, done? Celtics, it makes sense. Mm, we're going to be tied there. Yeah, that's a pretty good company to be in. Plus, Brian Windhorst, he has the latest on Giannis Antetokounmpo's left knee recovery. All of that and so much more. We're just getting started here on NBA Today. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com you're watching nba today Curry, hesitation move on luca night night let's go the Dubs dynasty is still very much alive. For the first time ever, he's an NBA Finals MVP. Welcome back to NBA Today. Chanea Gumake, Brian Windhorst still with us. And guys, Steph has had quite the summer. Not only did he give us his take on the whole GOAT debate, he also gave us his top three defenders he's faced during his career. And we know that it is not an easy task to guard Steph Curry. But here's what he said. He said, there's a group of three that you know it was a light bulb went off when they were on the court. It was Drew Holiday, Tony Allen, and Ron Artest. I didn't get, didn't get to play too many games against him, but he had the strongest hands you've ever seen in your life. When you put the ball around him, he'd just smack it right out of your hand. So, Brian, what do you think? Your reaction to Curry's top three defenders he's ever played against? 
Yeah, so Ron Artest is probably the only player or one of the very, very few that that I saw physically intimidate LeBron James during his career. Hmm. That could actually physically you know, handle LeBron, especially as a rookie. The only time I saw LeBron as a rookie get sort of intimidated was when Ron Artest went up against him when he was with the Indiana Pacers. My respect for Artest as a defender is immense. I would say one of the best defenders in the last 20 years without a, without uh, a, a question. He's been out of the league for a long time. Yeah. And bam, Steph came up with his name right away. What does that tell you? The other thing I'll say about Tony Allen, Tony Allen one of the things I could say about him is when he was guarding another player, and I had an opportunity to, a couple of times to, to cover series where Tony Allen was, on, was in the series, he, he so much got in players' heads that even when he was, got caught up on a screen and was off of the player, when the player caught the ball, he would shield himself and protect himself from Tony Allen, even though in a lot of cases Tony Allen was a much smaller player than the guys he was guarding. Right. And what a compliment for Steph Two guys who were out of the league, and Tony Allen, again, has been out of the league f five, six years. He's still, Tony Allen's still in Steph's head five, six <laughs> yeah. years later. He's still, when he thinks of those rough nights, Steph's still, oh, my God, I remember when Tony Allen was on my hip for 40 minutes. And so um, I will say this, Drew Holiday, one of the best two-way players in the NBA, mm -hmm. did something this last season that, I don't think we almost ever see. I think it was like his 13th year, 12th or 13th year in the league, and he might have had his best season. But he had a, his reputation took a little hit against Jimmy Butler in the playoffs there. Jimmy Butler showing him up, you know, talking him down, just, you know, putting it in his face and, and you, know, you know, carrying the heat to that victory. So I look for Drew Holiday to have a bounce-back season this yeah. year. He's also in a contract year uh, to get back from what Jimmy Butler did to that untouchable reputation before that. I think... When I think about Drew Holiday, obviously we're talking about a list of guys that is, is all have made all defensive teams. We're talking about defensive players of the years in this list. Obviously, he's trying to get back his way back into to Steph Curry's nightmares. But when you think about Drew Holiday, I think about a guy who talked about, I want to be a champion and I want to be known as an excellent defender. That's what he told me. So take a look at this. You can see the odds for DPOY up here. Jaron Jackson leading the way. Evan Mobley following him. And then four others. I think that teeny tiny print at the bottom says AD. <laughs> Giannis, Bam, and Gobert, if I can read that. Gosh. Giannis, I see, Gobert. I don't need glasses yet. All right, so today, starting with your with pick. with my yet. contacts. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> starting with your pick here, your early, early, way too early August 1st pick for Defensive Player of the Year. Who is it? Before this whole segment unfolded, the producers asked me what my thoughts were, right? And I initially went to Drew Holiday, and mm -hmm. I feel validated by hearing Steph. I feel validated by the motivation that Brian sort of described, saying, hey, based off of how it things ended for them last season also it being a contract year this is my pick I know a lot of times you know posts get the benefit because I think the narrative with defensive player of the year right. has been rim protection and also blocks mm -hmm. right but the reality is guards like it's not easy right. to be able to make a splash when it comes to steals and stops but there was this one number I found uh, last season he held his opponents to 42.8 field goal percentage as the closest defender which was second best amongst qualified guards so he, and also like you know it's hard when and 
someone gets more, uh, I guess you can say, acclaim for their offense. That's why I think it was the longest time we've seen between all-star seasons for a player. His offense was bubbling. He was that close, uh, you know, clutch guy towards the end of yep. games. And then, like, his defense was solid. Now, I know the circumstances in which they bounced out of the playoffs, but still, he's someone I have circled because we all know he's capable of that. Three-time, I believe, uh, first-team all-defensive and also a guy that just, you know, can get a stop and is one of those additions on a squad that you need on both ends of the floor. So I'm going with Drew. I like it. What about uh, one of Drew's teammates, Giannis? I mean, that's another choice. I mean, we're, I know we're <laughs> talking about Drew Holiday. Guards don't usually get the nod. We saw Marcus Smart get that nod. But I, I'm going to stick with Giannis. And speaking of Giannis, he is on his own little world tour. Check out this video. He's helping a young fan, a young camper in China, score a basket. Oh my gosh, it's too cute. That's like Wemby's view right there. That's Wemby's <laughs> oh, that's view. That's wild. And then he was seen in Lagos. This is on the very court yes, where Nigeria representing. was discovered. So this is all ahead of the FIBA Basketball World Cup. And remember, Giannis recently underwent a cleanup procedure in his left knee earlier this summer. The quote that you're looking at right now, it's from his coach, Demetrius Etoudis. And he had this to say about his availability, Giannis's availability for the Greek national team. He said, quote, that should be addressed to our doctor and the doctors of the Milwaukee Bucks. The information is that he is making an effort and he will be reevaluated shortly and we will have a final decision on whether he will make it or not. Okay, so Brian Windhorst, Giannis's national team is set to tip off in a tune-up game against Luka Doncic and the Slovenian national team tomorrow. You're actually going to be covering the World Cup for us later this summer. What are your expectations in reporting around Giannis's status here? Yeah, so they haven't ruled him out, as you just saw the Greek coach say there, but you didn't see the word yes in any of those um, in those quotes. And Giannis having knee surgery, and if you watched him with those uh, clinics that he was doing over the last week, the knee was still wrapped up, yeah. and even though he was moving around fine, you saw the dunk there. We didn't see him playing any full speed. Um, not that you would at a clinic, but uh, coming off a of knee surgery, the bar for him to play in this is very, very high. The reason why it's so important to play in the World Cup is because the World Cup is how you qualify for the Olympics. Mm. There are other backdoor ways in, but it'll be very difficult for Giannis to play in those qualifying tournaments and get the Bucks in next summer. So the way that the that Team Greece is going to get into the Olympics in Paris next year is with a great showing, and they have a tough draw so much that they have the Americans in their pool oh. in Manila. They will have to mm -hmm. you know, play the Americans and somehow get out of that pod to have a chance to, to qualify. So they need Giannis. And also, Malika, you probably know the, that the Greeks and the Americans have a long history of high-intensity games. They've played a couple of times. They played in the last World Cup in China, and in, in Giannis just won the MVP, and that was a competitive game, game down to the fourth quarter. Um, they are scheduled to play an exhibition game uh, in Abu Dhabi uh, leading up to it. So so um, I would say that the signs would be very difficult for Giannis to play coming off that knee injury and certainly not in these run-up games that are in the very near future. Um, it's a tough blow for him because I'm sure he wants to play. Yeah. Um, but I, I would be very surprised if he's able to play this summer. Here's two things we know about Giannis. Number one, he is the ultimate competitor. If he can be available, he will be available. And number two, he is a super freak healer. We all remember what happened in that series against Atlanta in 2021 when it felt like he was never going to come back. Not only did he come back in the finals, not miss uh, a game of the finals, but he was able to lead his team to a victory in six games. So if he was possibly able to play, it feels like something that he would want to do. I haven't asked him about it, but also, this has been a battle. You know this, Windhorse, back and forth over the last couple of years. Giannis coming to terms with 
what he needs to do to be prepared for a long season that culminates in a championship, not just being able to play in all of these regular season games as well as these World Cup games. So we shall wait and see. Brian Windhorst, Shanae, thank you so very much. All right, let's put a pin in this for now because coming up next, Derek White, he is joining us live. He's going to talk about his expectations for the Celtics next season. After all, Joe Mazzulla just said it. He is this team's new starting point guard. Don't miss that conversation. We'll be right back. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Here's our next ESPN WNBA game. Tonight in Connecticut, Dewana Bonner and the Sun host the Lynx at the Mohegan Sun Arena. Coverage tips at 7 o'clock Eastern. So three-pointers, right? They're launched from all over the hardwood on a nightly basis in the NBA. However... There is one specific area of the court that teams target the most, and it's the spot that has become the most valuable shot in basketball. Our Kirk Goldsberry has more. 22 feet from the basket, tucked into the most claustrophobic area on the hardwood, lies a treasure trove of points. There's Curry in the corner, got another one. The corner three isn't sexy like a windmill, an alley-oop, or a 35-foot pull-up, but it's become one of the most important shots in the modern NBA. It is one of the shortest distances from three that you can shoot. Got it to go in the corner. If I can get a corner three that's wide open, you're really mad if you miss it. It's the greatest shot. It's the one that the defense doesn't want to give up ever. You can practice them, practice them, practice them, practice them, and you know that you're going to get them. Every team wants to get a bunch of corner threes. One of the better options on the floor is to get a wide open corner three. That's butter every time. In the corner, Quay. Let's rewind. The NBA's love affair with corner threes really started with Greg Popovich and the Spurs. San Antonio's dynasty was bolstered by innovative offensive sets that featured great shooters stationed in the corners. The Spurs ranked in the top four of percentage of their three-point tries taken from the corners every single year between 2000 and 2014. That's good. It's a 20-point lead. The biggest reason why corner threes have become so popular is efficiency. This season, an average jump shot in the NBA is worth 1.04 points, but an average corner three, which goes in over 38% of the time, yields a whopping 1.16 points. Usually the corner shot comes when a possession is in rhythm and you're creating a good open look from the corner when the defense has to react. Splash! 
I know the mechanics of that shot before I even catch the ball, before I even look at the hoop. So it makes that shot very repeatable. With that corner, it's a much smaller area and you can kind of master it a little bit better than you can master other spots. To the corner, Johnson, the tie, and he does it! Over the last two decades, as the shot has exploded in popularity and importance, many players have made a name for themselves thanks in part to their ability to catch, shoot, and yeah, make shots from the corner of the chessboard. I didn't really choose the corner, it just chose me. Coming out of Texas, P.J. Tucker was not known as a great shooter, but years later, he's now regarded as a corner three legend. The corner threes he made for the Bucks in 2021 Tucker for three. helped make him a champion. P.J. has made a niche for what he does in the superstars ISO and the driving. You know, his defender will forget and uh, help off the corner. He knows that if his, if his defender helps, then he's gonna knock down a corner three. And that is his sweet spot. Corner threes have become common. An average NBA game now includes over 18 attempts per game, resulting in over 21 points. But that commonality does not mean they haven't provided us with some unforgettable moments. Rebound Bosch, back out to Allen. His three-pointer, I just backpedaled to the three-point line and I was hoping I was where I needed to be, but you know, just from years of shooting, I got to my spot. Houston will hold for the last shot. LA out of the corner for three, hit it! He blows the kiss. The kiss of death. I remember the next day, I must have looked at that shot like 20 times. I'm like, let me rewind that. Let me rewind. <laughs> See the double in the backcourt, Robert does a great job catching it, finds me in the corner. Sorry, Danny Ains, too late, buddy and blow him the kiss of death. Over the past 25 years, the NBA has changed a lot and corner threes have come to epitomize a league getting smarter, getting spacier, and of course, getting really good at shooting three-point shots. Corner threes for LeBron James. It's a different game right now. The ball moves one, two, three, and then over that third pass is always to the guy in the corner. We've had a couple of ones where I've turned away before it goes in. To make that three right in front of their bench, and usually they're hell no or that's off. By the time it leaves my hand, I know if it's going in or not. So I'm already looking over there, ready to talk my talk. So here are the players with the most corner threes last season. Reggie Bullock, he led the way with 93 for the Mavs, but remember, he's with the Spurs now. He was followed by Mikael Bridges, who took off after his trade to Brooklyn, and then OG Ananobi was third. Still to come on NBA Today, he's got a fresh new haircut and he is ready to join us here on the show. Derek White, he is with us to talk about expectations for the Celtics next season. That's coming up. We'll be back. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... 
Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome back to NBA Today. Look at the look. Do they have one stop in us? White will inbound. Inbound to Smart. Turns it. She's the three left wing. Around. And out. Derek White, like a flash of lightning, just came out of nowhere. There was a tip and a count. And Colby counts the tip. And Boston wins it. 104-103. What a finish to this game. Whatever it takes, we got our backs against the wall. Chop we won. Man, that shot was insane. One of the highlights of the playoffs for sure. We are joined now by Celtics All-Defensive Guard Derek White. Derek, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time. I know it's summertime here with us here on NBA Today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of Looking course. Uh, so I want to get to the buzzer beater. I want to talk about all of that. But but first, I'm noticing you're attired today and you're wearing a hat. And I know you got a little bit of a haircut recently. What's the What's the reception been to the new look? Yeah, everybody likes it. Yeah, um, everybody's really complimentary. So I mean, it's just different, but I'm I'm liking it. and It's cool. I want to see it. Uh, do we get to get a little preview? Oh yeah, I like it. And I know Richard Jefferson somewhere is smiling ear to ear. All right, let's talk a little bit about basketball though. Uh, your game six tip in. It was one of the most memorable shots as I mentioned at the playoffs. You're only the second player ever to hit a game-winning buzzer beater while trailing and facing elimination. By any chance, do you know the name of the other player? Yeah, Michael Jordan. Mm. Um, one of the people told me that right after the game. That was pretty nuts. Yeah. What was that memory, that moment like for you, not only hitting the shot, but then also finding out that there was only one other name on the list, and oh yeah, it is who many believe is the GOAT, Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, my mom was going pretty crazy after the game anyways, and then uh, when you find out you're one of two guys in NBA history, that's just kind of special. And when that one guy is Michael Jordan, it's even cooler. So um, it's pretty insane, and I'm, I'm in great company. I mean, we do it all for mom, right? As long as you make mom proud, that at the end of the day, that's what really matters. Let, let's talk about this upcoming season, though. Joe Mazzulla, just a couple of days ago, he said that you are it. You are the Boston Celtics starting point guard this year. You started 70 games last season. Now Marcus Smart is gone, though. How does your role change now? Yeah, um, obviously with, with Smart leaving, uh, there's that point guard role that um, I only played a little bit last year, and um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely have the ball in my hands, more of a playmaker role, and um, I'm looking forward to, to grow with the team and just uh, get us in the right position each and every time. So um, I'm looking forward to season to start and working with Joe and the rest of the guys. What do you think is the single biggest adjustment that you're going to have to make in your game to be that point guard for this team? Um, I don't think it would be a, a big adjustment. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to have the ball in my hands more, uh, which I've done pretty much most of my career. So um, just get, getting back to that and just getting the guys in the right spot. Um, obviously with JT, JB, uh, Porzingis now, like yeah. I have a lot of talented guys around me that makes my job pretty easy. You mentioned Porzingis. Have you gotten a chance to talk to him a little bit, interact with him? How are you going to use him, do you think, offensively? 
Uh, I haven't, I haven't got a chance to talk to him yet, but um, I mean, he's a special talent. Uh, the things he can do on the court is um, special. I mean, he had a game against this against us last season where uh, he was unreal. So uh, to add a guy like that on our team, I think we're all looking forward to it, and it's going to add a different di- dimension to our team. Yeah, and, and you mentioned JB Jalen Brown as well. He just signed the biggest contract in NBA history. Is he still picking up your calls? I know he's leaving a couple of your teammates, your former teammates, on red here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure his phone was going crazy. Um, <laughs> obviously, well deserved. Um, I'm super, I'm super happy that he's coming back with us. And um, I mean, all the hard work that he's put in uh, since he entered the league, it's it's well deserved. And um, yeah, I'm sure his phone has been blowing since. So you're not you're not faulting him for for FaceTiming him and him saying, you know what, I can't I can't get to you right now, Derek. But but jokes aside, right? Jalen Brown, he just got paid. Jason Tatum, he's due next season. You're eligible for an extension at the end of September. You're going to have a, what a three week window, right, to negotiate that. Do you want to get a deal done before the season starts? Is that a goal of yours? Um, I mean, I love being here in Boston. Uh, it'd be cool to to get an extension. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, during that window, but um, I've loved my time in Boston so far, and um, my focus right now is just on the season. Absolutely. It'll be your third season in Boston. You've been to the finals. You've been to the conference finals, and we've heard Jason Tatum, we've heard Jalen Brown talk about that feeling of walking around all summer, not quite making it to the mountaintop that you all set out at the beginning of the season. So at this point, is it the goal? Is a successful season for the Boston Celtics? Is the only way it's successful is if it culminates in a championship? I mean, Boston's a, a title town. Um, that's mm. what they expect from us. That's that's what they want from us each and every year. Um, obviously, we've been right there the last couple of years, and um, it's just little things each and every year that we got to do. We got to do a better job of in the playoffs. And um, I mean, it starts from day one, and we just got to continue to put together good days. And um, I, I, I like our chances next year. Boston is a title town. That is a bar, and I like it. Derek White, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us here on NBA Today. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and we will see you in training camp. Yeah, I appreciate you. Absolutely. Still to come on NBA Today, we're going to be looking at some of the teams that maybe are trapped a little bit in NBA purgatory. The Celtics are not one of them, but who should stay the course and who should blow things up and start over? Stick around. That discussion coming up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're watching NBA Today. The $1 million winner-take-all basketball tournament continues tomorrow night with the semifinals starting at 7 o'clock Eastern and the app. Heartfire takes on Heard That and then Friday Beers wears off against Green. (laughs) I really like beer, but I'd take one right now. Welcome back to NBA Today. It's time for some Chopper to Drop It. All right, you know how this works. We're going to toss out a topic. If you want to talk about it, if it's worth chopping it up, you let me know. Otherwise, we're going to drop it. So we're going to start in the Miami Pro League where Scotty Barnes, happy birthday, by the way, Scotty, put on a show. Check out this massive dunk. No one was smiling when this was thrown down. This is a good life lesson, kids. 
shouldn't be anywhere near the lane when Barnes <laughs> takes flight. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, very aggressive here. So the Raptors, of course, they replaced Nick Nurks. We know this. <laughs> See the kid. Oh, so cute. Yeah, with Darko Royakovich. They also drafted Grady Dick, 13th overall friend of the show, re-signed Jakob Pertl, and then they signed Dennis Schroeder to replace Fred Van Vliet after he signed in Houston. Pascal Siakam is eligible for an extension now, while OG Ananobi, he's going to become extension eligible next month. All right, Brian, are we going to chop it or are we going to drop it? The Raptors, they need to begin the Scotty Barnes era in Toronto. Yeah, I'm going to chop it. And I know that there's a lot of focus on what's going to happen with Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, whether those guys are going to get uh, extended. I don't think Ananobi will extend. His contract behooves him to come to be a free agent. But Scotty Barnes is where the Raptors have to pay attention to. For all the talk about them not being able to decide with their other players, one of the reasons last year was a disappointment for them was because Barnes did not step forward after winning Rookie of the Year. He had... A sophomore slide. Maybe not a slump, but a sophomore slide. He was not as good in his sophomore season as we all thought he would be. For the Raptors to take anything going forward, they need this guy to head towards all-star status. So I'm glad to see him playing well, whatever the level of competition. There's, a, there's a, some pressure on him this year, Malika, mm. to have a good year. And, you know, he gets he's contract eligible after this season. If he wants to get the giant contract, then the giant dollars that we talk about this yep. time of year, he's got to have a great third season. I agree. Year three is very important in professional sports. It's interesting when you come in. I think this is something that only players really know. That first year, all the vets are like, how do we guard you? Right. Like, so everyone as a rookie is able to do whatever they want. And then the league adjusts and settles in. Year two is very difficult. So year three, now you know exactly what you need to work on, exactly how defenses are going to guard you, and then you're able to be your best self. And you also know how to be a pro. Yeah. You know, you come in year one, eating McDonald's and all that. I didn't do that. Never, right? <laughs> and then year two, you're like, I'm learning from my vets. And year three is like, I know myself, and I expect yep. that jump for Scotty as well. And then there's no more McDonald's. Yeah. Sad. Next up, Tamar DeRozan putting in work. He dropped 33 points at the Drew League this summer. DeRozan, he is entering the final year of his three-year deal with the Chicago Bulls. So, Miss Agumake, DeRozan, he is eligible for an extension. <laughs> do it. So we're chopping it. We're chopping it because I just love DeMar DeRozan. This is someone that has battled throughout his career, you know, not only physically on the court, but also trying to be his best self mentally. His vulnerability has really unleashed his best, you know, uh, seasons. And I love him in Chicago. I know a lot of teams. Like, the best thing you want is like, oh, you miss me. You miss me. You had the opportunity to get me, but now it's like, you miss me. And we all talk about how great, you know, a lot of times when five, six years ago, you know, the analytics, the numbers, you have to shoot threes. You have to at least do threes or pay points. Like, he's like, no, I'm not changing my game. I'm in love with the midi. The lone mid-ranger. I'm in love with the midi, and no one can stop that. We've seen him get better in picking and choosing, you know, how to ad advance that three. But nonetheless, I love his game. I like how he settled into his role. And he is a star. He averaged, what, 24 points? And it feels like that is, quote, unquote, underachieving because he's someone we all see that he can drop 30 and consistently be up there. So I love DeMar in Chicago. And I think when you have a good thing, hold on to it or else you're going to miss it like other teams did. Period. Yeah, Malika, you said it. He is eligible for an extension. One year left on the three-year $81 million contract he signed. We've nicknamed the Bulls Team Purgatory on the Hoop Collective because we, we just don't know where they're going. And they, the signings that they made this summer were keeping that team in place, keeping Nikola Vucevic, keeping Kobe White. Um, you know, uh, Zach Levine, you know, coming off the knee issue, wasn't as good as they, they needed him to be last year. Where are they going? We don't yeah. know. And the, and the rubber meets the road with DeRozan. 
because this is a guy that if they wanted to trade, I think they could get really good return on him. He is a guy who is 33 years old. He is still able to produce at a high level. Attractive contract, you can extend him after you trade for him. But the way they're operating, they're not going that direction. So to me, uh, I have high belief in DeMar DeRozan. I don't know if I want to give him a four-year extension. I don't know if I want to lose him if I'm Chicago. But I know he's still very valuable as a player, and he's still working on his craft in the summer, as we just saw in those clips. Well, it sounds like they are at a fork in the road, and they need to decide which direction the franchise is going, and that'll dictate which direction they should go with DeMar DeRozan. All right, watch this. Rudy Gobert during a shoot-around with the French national team. Take notice right here. He's uh, hitting these from three. Now, Brooke Lopez, he became an outside threat, right? The Timberwolves, Carl Anthony Towns. He's also been known to hit from rage, but Gobert, he is a career 0 for 14 from three. So, Chenay, chop Don't it do drop this! It. <laughs> Rudy, Rudy, we're going to drop it. We're going to drop it. You have to shoot those if you're a player, you're out there. Yeah, like, yeah. That's mandatory in team shooting and team drills. Let him live. <laughs> I Let know we're dropping live. it, but Brian, you're laughing, sure and Rudy I got to really know why. Rudy really appreciated that clip. Right? <laughs> I know. I'm, Rudy, just, I'm, I'm sure Rudy really appreciated that clip. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Rudy is a friend <laughs> like, of the show. I'm just, I'm just trying to improve my game, you man. you got to bring up that. He's working on it. was not bad. You know what? you got to stick to what you're good at, and sometimes, for Rudy Gobert. We're dropping it. We're dropping it. All right, (laughs) Anthony Edwards. He signed a five-year extension earlier this month with the Timberwolves, but now he's doing a little switch-up. He's changed up his number for the upcoming season from one to five. Edwards did wear number five playing in the AAU in Atlanta, and he is one of the marquee members of the U.S. FIBA World Cup team this summer. So, Brian, chop it or drop it. Anthony Edwards, he takes another leap this season as number five. This is, by the way, they just unveiled the Team USA numbers today, number five for him for this summer. I want to chop it because I think Anthony Edwards is in an incredible spot in his career. Um, We have seen guys in this spot at the World Cup in the past, sort of guys on on the edge take an opportunity to advance in the World Cup, take that stage and carry it on. Kevin Durant is a classic example of this in 2010. He was sort of an up-and-coming young player. We believed in him. He was an all-star level player. He was a killer in the 2010 World Cup. Changed the way he approached the NBA. Anthony Edwards is in that situation right now. I see no reason why he can't be dominant this summer and carry this over. I am a big believer in his talent. I am a big believer in his ability to become a major star in this league. He's got a great personality. Uh, I am all in on Anthony Edwards' stock and his upward mobility as a player. And we have a great forum, a great opportunity platform for him to do it this summer with Team USA. Absolutely. Buy stock now because the price, it is going up. Janae and I looked at each other when you were talking. We're like, we don't even have any more to add to this. Just, I picked him. Yes. Anthony Edwards, we are all in on his upward trajectory here with the Timberwolves, and it'll be interesting what decisions that franchise is going to have to make, speaking of directions around the face of their franchise in the coming years. But that's a conversation for another day. A conversation for today, though, is that the MLB trade deadline is today. And that got us thinking, which one NBA player, just one, would teams go all in for? Who is literally the most valuable player, the most valuable star in the league? We'll discuss in six seconds. I have to change my answer now. (laughs) (laughs) So, 
the MLB trade deadline. It is just over two hours away, and baseball tonight will count you down as teams make the final push toward the World Series title. But before the Angels decided to not trade Otani, often talked about right as the best player in baseball, he would have been the highest value asset on the market. So that got us thinking a little bit. Which NBA player, Brian, has the highest trade value? And I'm going to put a little caveat in there. Please do. Otani, no World Series title. So this player, this NBA player, cannot already have a championship, cannot already have a title. Go. Okay, just to be clear, not best player, but most valuable. Most valuable player, no title. I think it's Victor Wembanyama. I think the idea to get your hands on a 19-year-old with that kind of upside on a rookie contract for the next four years. And and anytime you do a list like this, you're always going to have guys on their rookie contracts at the top. So I would say that Victor Wembanyama, if you did a trade value, rank it, would rank right at the top, if not, you know, number one. Whoa, you got me with a curveball there. Uh, Speaking of baseball, MLB. I I went with Joel Embiid just to the narratives of if this doesn't work out, maybe he's going to be most, you know, valuable. But I want to change my answer. Of course you do. yours, Wendy. Oh, I like okay. Victor. I, I'm I like still going. Victor. I was between Luka Doncic and Jason Tatum, but honestly, I went with I went with Luka. I think when you look at the upside that he has, the contract that he's on, um, it, it's Luka for me. Jokic, Jokic would be right there for me. You can't the Jokic would be like the title. Yep, That's yep, going to do it for too. us here on NBA Today. Tune in tomorrow. Brianna Stewart is going to be joining us. We will see you then.